Well, let me uh, ask you guys a question first off. How many of you have ever studied through the book of Leviticus? Anybody? Yeah, it's not one of those books you would normally study through. <laughs> As a matter of fact, most people, when they get to Leviticus, they kind of stop and go, okay, this is getting kind of thick. This is getting kind of difficult. This is getting kind of, I don't understand. And uh, what does it all mean? And what is it? how does it apply to me? And, and um, you know, that's one of the great things, uh, and, you know, something I'll repeat often, is that, you know, we go through the Word of God here. One of our, our, our commitments, one of our distinctives, if you would, is to is to go through the whole Word of God. From Genesis to Revelation, we, we, we'll read it all. Because it's all God's Word. And we need it. He preserved it for us. He didn't just do filler space. Well, I need to get up to 1,022 pages or whatever length your Bible is, right? I need to get all the, you know, I need to have some filler like maybe you did in school when you're, writing a report or something and it just you thought well i'll just keep writing on it's not like that god's preserved his word for us and the book of leviticus it, it plays a very important role and if we take the time to kind of dig in um and look at some of these things i think there's so much for us to learn so hopefully you made your way there to leviticus chapter one and uh, uh if you might remember we left off in exodus um Well, we started in Exodus, if you remember. We started in Exodus where uh, they were in uh, Joseph's uh, was leader. He was a prime minister, if you would, of, of Egypt, and he was a guy that uh, that you know uh, uh, the Lord used to to bring down the rest of his family. And then you know eventually, uh, after he died, the f- succeeding pharaohs didn't recognize who he was, didn't remember what he did, and Eventually, all his people, his family, his brothers, his dad, all that kind of stuff, all those that were related, you know, all went into slavery, just as God said. So for 400 years, there were slaves. And then, you know, we get to the beginning of Exodus where babies are being thrown into the river. Moses coming up in the, the house of Pharaoh. You might remember that story. He delivers them some 80 years later. And you remember the story. They're coming out. He's bringing them out of Egypt with uh, great miracles and signs after those plagues happen. He parts the Red Sea. They're moving into the wilderness, heading towards the Promised Land. They stop at this mountain in the middle of nowhere, Sinai. This, in the desert, there's fire and smoke. I, again, I picture kind of like a, a volcano going off without the lava and everything happening, going down. You know, there's smoke and, and, and fire and lights and everything, and God's up there, and Moses gets directions on on. on who the Lord is. These, these guys were worshiping stuff in Egypt. They they just didn't know much of the Lord. We, we don't really know how much they really even knew of anything. And and so, you know, God's getting Egypt. He's getting the world out of them, teaching them who he is and how, how to approach him. And so he, they have, he, Moses gets instructions on how to build this portable place of worship, if you would. This is we're going to move around, and so it's going to be portable. But this is the place of worship and how to come to me. He made a way, and so they did that. You remember we've been reading about that. It's built, so now everything's built. It's all there. It's all ready to go. Well, the next question is obviously, what do we do? <laughs> how do we use it? Uh, and that's what Leviticus does. It answers that question. Okay, we got it. We have it all built. We talked about what these things mean. We talked about the 
You know, you go to the altar of sacrifice, then, you know, that your sins paid for as you approach God, you have to deal with sin first. And then, you know, the washing. And then we talked about going inside the, the tabernacle, that tent and, and the light of the world and how the bread represented that fellowship and the incense table. There were just three things inside there that offered, you know, incense. It was like the represented the, the prayers, prayers going up. And then behind a curtain was, you know, uh, the 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 Ark of the Covenant, where God said he would meet his people. So there was a way. And so he made that so they could so they could approach him. So now, okay, how do we how do we use it? How, how does all this work? And, and so that's what the book of Exodus does. Now, really, uh, again, uh, Exodus or I'm sorry, Exodus. I said Leviticus. I meant Leviticus. That's what Leviticus is all about. Now, Leviticus just really means and you can see in the first first four letters of the word Leviticus, you see the word Levi. And it's pertaining to what that really means is to the Levites. These are the guys who were the priests. It's a family. It's a guy. They all trace their lineage back. They trace it back to a, a bunch of genes. No, just kidding. Get it? Genes, Levi. Sorry. Bad joke. <laughs> okay, give a bad drum roll on that one. A guy named Levi. Long before Levi Strauss made the genes, right? But uh, they could just trace their lineage. You know, everybody, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, we're all related. You know, if you went on that Ancestry.com or whatever, and you trace your lineage back, same kind of thing. These guys were all part of this tribe of Levi, including the priests. And their job, their role, was to help serve and be a part of this so that the people could come and worship the Lord, and, and they would be there to to help them and to serve them and to intercede on behalf of the Lord and tell them what the Lord has to say. Now, that was kind of their role. Now, remember, there's about three million people, maybe more, but I think three million is a pretty, pretty good number of people. So, you know, there's a large amount of people that would be coming and going at any given time. And so this is telling them what to do. And, and it's a book of instructions, really, on various sacrifices, feasts, Uh, how to, uh, what was clean and unclean, what was, you know, what, what to do and how to do things, how to become really, and how you show that you're separated from what everybody else does. Now, remember in the old, in the old covenant, the old Testament, it was a, a lot of outside ceremonial things were done and they had great representations and they were great pictures of what, of what we see now. But granted, it is, it is a little bit difficult here on this side of the cross to start thinking about what those guys did and how they had to go through and how they what they had to do to approach God. You know, for us, it's pretty easy. We just kind of close our eyes. And then in Jesus name, you know, we're in the throne room of God. Not so much with them, right? It, not back in those days. There was an approach to God. And the book of Leviticus, as we go through it, Again, I think we understand what Jesus has done for us to a greater degree as we read these things. It was fulfilled in the Lord. It was pointing to him. And so that being said, um, you know, we're going to kind of look at this as uh, we're kind of going to look at Leviticus as a as a um, in a little bit more of an overview than maybe reading every single verse, because there's a lot in there that's repeated and and instructions for them specifically. So we'll kind of maybe bunch it up a little bit more than we normally would because I think we'll get a better feel for it in that sense. So uh, that being said, the, the first five chapters really talk about sacrifice. And 
And the first three chapters in, in particular talk about this sweet savor, this sweet odor. Um, there's a couple places in town, like the place over by airport. I can't remember the name of that uh, little uh, taqueria over there. You know, it's right, right across from the airport. And, uh, you know, you know, they have, used to have chickens barbecuing out there. And every time you drive by, it smells so good. Right? You know, it's got that sweet savor. You get the idea. Or you drive past... Uh, What's another good one in town that smells so good when you drive by? I can't think of it off the top of my head. But you know what it's like when my neighbor fires, fires up the barbecue and he's putting carne asada on there or, you know, big tri-tip or whatever he's putting on, you know. Man, it's just a... You understand, right, the, the, the idea of a sweet savor. And so those first three chapters, we'll talk about that. As a matter of fact, about eight times he'll mention that. This is just... It's a, it's a pleasing odor. Now, don't don't think of God as, you know... Because uh, God's a spirit, right? And those who worship most worship in spirit and truth. So don't think of it as something like, you know, that fragrance. But the idea is just like smelling something. You know, my wife Annabelle went to one of the Black Friday deals and went to Bath and Body Works or whatever and picked up one of these candles. And it's like three wicks on it. And, you know, she likes to to, to light it because it just, just kind of creates this beautiful um, odor. Fragrance. I guess that's probably a better way of putting it, right? <laughs> Fragrance. And if you get the idea, you know, it's something that's pleasing. It's something that's pleasing to him. So when you read that, that's that's really what it's talking about here. And as a matter of fact, uh, Jesus, when he died on the cross, Ephesians 5.2, uh, says that his sacrifice was a fragrant, a sweet-smelling fragrance to the Lord. So his actions was something that was well-pleasing to the Lord. So when we read that sweet savor, and we'll get across that many times in the in the in the in the Old Testament as we're going through it, it's just something that pleases God. Just like a, a great smell to you, whatever that might be. To me, it's usually meat on a barbecue, but uh, it, it's got that sweet. It's got that great smell. You're just like, oh man, and uh, and that's you know God's well pleased with it. So that's um, what it's talking about. So let's look at verse one of Leviticus. Leviticus one. Now, the Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tabernacle of meeting, saying, now, now notice the Lord now is speaking to Moses in the tabernacle that they met. Because remember, on chapter 40, if you look back, the cloud of glory appeared over the tabernacle, this tent, this uh, 15 by 45 tent where, where God met them. And he said he would, he would dwell among the mercy seat. So now they built this. It's in the middle of the camp. And I'm so sorry I didn't bring all these slides that I have. Uh, I had quite a few of them tonight, but we'll catch them next time. But it was in the middle of the camp. And now God's presence is there. And now, rather than going up on the mountain to meet with the Lord, Moses meets with, with the Lord right there in the middle of the camp. And the people can see that glory and all that the Lord's doing. And so he's filled the tabernacle. And, and he's there now speaking Uh, to Moses and instructing him. And by the way, the, the book of Leviticus is about a month period of time. If you want to take it on how long all this was, you know, brought out and taught and said to him. So it's if you look at the time from about the end of Exodus and the numbers starts another calendar, give us a date. It's it's about four weeks, about a month. So it just gives you some idea. All right. So after verse one, he's going to tell him to uh, talk about burnt offerings. That's the first sacrifice. Now, this first sacrifice they could bring was a burnt offering. And, and, and this is one of these sacrifices that you could bring any time. 
it, it, you didn't have to do it at a certain time. There was, you could come any time you wanted, and you wanted to to, uh, to to offer something to the Lord. When you see the word burnt offering, it's it's kind of like consecration. And the idea is, this was a, a sacrifice, something that you brought, and it's, it's, it's kind of like saying, Lord, I, I want to give it all to you. I, I want to give you my life. I want to lay my life down at your feet. I want you to forgive me. I want you to use me. I want to be in fellowship with you. And so when you read this burnt offering, that's exactly what it is. It's it's something that you would brought just willingly. You say, oh, Lord, I just I just I, I, I want to I want to give it all to you. And this this sacrifice would literally be burnt. Like I said, it would just be completely consumed on on the altar. And that's kind of what verses two through eight say. If you notice what they had to bring in verse three, it was uh, uh, this offering of burnt sacrifice uh, had to be a male without blemish. And notice that verse three goes on to say, he shall offer it of his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meeting the Lord. And then he, verse four said, then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. And, and so then it talks about how they would place the bull there and they would uh, they would offer it up and it gives you all the details there of how they would put the parts there and everything together and, and so they would all fit on the on the grill if you would on this sacrifice table and then notice at the end of verse 9 it says this will be a sweet aroma to the Lord you see this is one of those things because sometimes we get the idea when we think about the Old Testament is offering these sacrifices they got do this stuff and you know bring this animal what's all that about how does all this work seems like you know it doesn't make sense and and you know but i think when we break it down pretty simply you know it was just kind of like you come to church sometimes sometimes it's just when you're driving or when you're you know going through issues and sometimes it's just you know out of this abundance of your heart all of a sudden you know you kind of just lord i don't want to give it all to you i don't want to i don't want to just be so selfish and self-centered You know, Thomas and I were talking about those kind of attitudes over some pizza tonight <laughs> before church started. And, and, you know, about how selfish and self-centered we can be. And, and we see it in other people. We don't usually recognize it in ourselves as quickly. But, <laughs> but you know what I mean? You see that and you, and you get tired of it after a while. You know, it's all about me and how I feel and what I want. And, what I, you know, Lord, I, I'm tired of me. I, I want to be with you. And there was just this real way of doing that. God's not twisting anybody's arms. You know, it says this, if, if you want, you know, anytime you want of your own free will, like verse 3 says, you can come and you can come and bring it. And that's your worshiping and connecting with me. You're going to lay your hand on it. It's going to be, you know, your sins are going to be forgiven, all the stuff that's kind of bogging you down. And now you kind of want to pull aside and, and dedicate your you know, your time and your life and get your focus back there. That's what this offering was all about. Yeah, it cost you something, but you're, you know, you're willingly doing that. Nobody was making you do that. And, you know, it just, it would smell good to the Lord. If you would, the Lord was well pleased with that. And that's the kind of heart I want. That's what I'm looking for. And really, whether it was in this day or some, 3,500, 4,000 years later, it's the same idea. He wants our hearts. He wants our lives. He wants us, you know, uh, we, we don't have to bring an animal or anything like that, obviously. And we know our sins are forgiven through Jesus Christ. But 
you know, the Lord's invitation is still there. Hey, you want to dedicate really your life to me? Are you tired of chasing the wind? Are you tired of, yeah, you know about me, and yeah, you're forgiven, and yeah, you're going to heaven, and yeah, that, that's all true, but but there's got to be more than just just that. You know, I don't want to be, you know, living life in first gear when I can hit four or five more gears. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like going and getting your car and it was stuck in first gear. I mean, you could get around town, right? But it wouldn't be, it would be miserably slow and this and that. And, you know, our walks with the Lord can be that way. And so the Lord was giving them an opportunity. Hey, come, come on down and, and bring it. And, you know, if it was a bowl, and then if you look at verse 10, if you, if you decide to give an offering of sheep or goats, okay, they got to be a male without blemish. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. And then he gives the same kind of details of how to prepare it. So for that offering to the priest, because remember, this is an instruction manual for them as well. Like, hey, this is, you're going to tell people they want to know, you're going to explain it to them and you're going to know what to do. So that's kind of the instructions of how they would lay it on the altar there. And then verse 14 says, if this burnt sacrifice or burnt offering of the Lord is of birds, then he shall bring an offering of a turtle dove or young pigeons. And then the, gives them instructions on what they're supposed to do with the bird and how they were supposed to offer it up. So the people could bring a, 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 a very valuable animal like a bull or, an, you know, you know, a, 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 you know, a bull there. They could bring a goat. They could bring a sheep. They could bring a birds now what's the point of all this um well first of all god said you got to bring something without blemish without marks so in other words if you wanted to do this you're not going to bring the leftovers to the lord uh you're not going to bring some gimpy animal with a bad leg or one eye or got mangled somehow by whatever bunch of wild animals no it was you know it's for the lord and it was supposed to represent your heart You know, uh, it, it really represents, you know, your attitude about it. If you're, if you're really serious about this, you're not going to just bring some gimpy leftover. Yeah, well, I got all these good animals, and this one's a good one, and that's, those are all good ones. But this one over here, it ain't working out too good. You know, it was born funny, and, you know, whatever. It's not working. So, you know, that one I can kind of spare. I'll give it to you. And the Lord said, no, no, no. In fact, in, in, in everything that we'll see through this, and everything when they come to present themselves to the Lord, in any way, with anything, at any time, it was always supposed to be the best. The Lord didn't want the leftovers. Uh, you know, he, he said, if you really have a heart to want to serve and know and and be forgiven and uh, and have this relationship with me, it's 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 all about the best. I, I don't want I don't I don't want the leftovers. Uh, you know, we used to be over at Teen Challenge, most of you know, or some of you know, for a number of years, and You know, being with the Teen Challenge and seeing how they operate and, you know, what people give to them is that they'll drop stuff off all the time. And we happen to be involved with some of it, like old this and old that and old, you know, like stuff I don't want anymore. Oh, yeah, that was my great grandfather's and that was a great chair and we've had it for 50 years. It got some tear on it. And, yeah, let's just give it. To, I know we want to give it to the Lord. And I would look at that stuff and I'd say, you need to give it to the Buena Vista landfill because <laughs> that is you're going to give that to It's just junk that you don't want. And how can they, I mean, I would kind of see this stuff. How can they use it? You don't want it. Well, you know, what What do you really bring in? Like you're just saving a trip to the dump sometimes I looked at it. And it made me feel magnanimous that you brought something good to 
you know, some organization that's doing good or even to church or something. And the Lord said, no, you know, I just don't want, I, I don't want that. I, I want your best, not your leftovers. I, I, you know, it's, it won't work out for you. It won't work out for your relationship with us. And basically what the Lord was saying, whether you're going to bring this bull, you're going to bring sheep, goats, or birds. The point being is there was no excuse to bring an offering to the Lord. In other words, it was affordable no matter what you had, what you had or didn't have. And if you couldn't afford this and couldn't afford this and you still have that heart, then bring bring these things that don't cost you anything hardly. You know, bring a couple of birds, the turtle lover, the pigeons. The other specific, just get a couple of those. In other words, there wasn't really an excuse to bring an offering to the Lord. It could be, you know, welcomed anyone to come. It wasn't about what you had. It was about your heart and your giving and your approaching and your coming to the Lord. He was always looking at that. Um, he, he was making that important. Understand that. It's affordable to everybody, not just the rich, not just those that have anything. It's open to everybody. And, and so that was really the, the burnt offering. I want to come. I want to, just like that animal is, is consumed wholly, I, I want my life consumed wholly in you, Lord. I, I'm, I'm completely in you. Holy is being in W H O L E Y. Holy. Sorry, addicted to spell check. Uh, not H O L Y. In other words, the animals wholly uh, offer, you know, burned up, consumed completely. And, and that's what I want in my life. I want my life consumed. I want my life in you to be consuming. And that was really the burnt offering. And you could come, you know, with what you had. And if you didn't have much, there was that opportunity to come there. Well, Leviticus chapter 2 talks about a grain offering. Okay, so we had the burnt offering. Now we have this grain offering. Okay, verse 1, Anyone who offers a grain offering to the Lord, his offering shall be fine flour, and he shall pour oil on it, and put frankincense on it. And he shall bring it to Aaron's sons, the priests, and one who shall take from his hand the fine flour and oil and all the frankincense. And the priest shall burn it as a memorial on the altar, an offering made by fire, and a sweet aroma to the Lord. So again, When anyone, if you want to, this is available. Again, another offering that whenever you wanted to. This is one of those things that you just come. See, the Lord is always inviting, always has, always will, until the day we talk about Willie on Sunday morning when we're in Revelation, when he says, that's it, you know, we're time is over. We're, we're do, doing things different now. Doing things different and the church age and this age of grace is done. And we talk about that. We see that in Revelation chapter four where things change. But up until that day, and the Lord still invites people during that great tribulation period. Don't misunderstand me because there's many that are saved. But, but you know, he, he is opening up and inviting and wants us to come. He makes a way. He's willing. He desires us to do it. But again, Here's the way. Are you going to walk in it? Are you going to do it? Are you going to listen? Are you going to follow? Are you going to receive it? You know, there's lots of people that, you know, here's the path and the narrow path, and they're just walking here. They're walking there. They're walking over there. They're going, oh, yeah, I see it, but no thanks. I'm kind of going my own path. I got this path. You know, God's invitation is open. 
Whoever is willing, whosoever will, right? Nothing's changed with that. The same is true with with, um, these first offerings. And we'll talk about the other ones later. But whoever will, he's inviting his people to bring something of the blessing they received. Now, the grain offering was just, you know, they... uh, It was just like, the idea is like, Lord, you've blessed me with so much. Now remember, they're they're not really bringing these things yet because they're going to be moving through the desert. The idea is when they get into the land and and they have these fields or these crops or the vineyards or or whatever they're growing and producing, because everybody's doing that, right? Everybody's producing something in some way. And you're just saying, uh, in, in this case, you know, Lord, I just, you're so good. You're so good. And wow, here's this offering. And again, you know, it was, uh, you put some oil on this grain. Uh, you put some frankincense. The idea is, if you would, great smelling fresh bread. Do you ever go by Sumano's down here on beach? I go by there a lot. I've been in there because I have an ID that gets me in there. <laughs> so I wanted to check it out. Maybe I shouldn't record this, but uh, I wanted to check out what they're really baking in there. And so I, I went in there and real nice people, nice family. But man, you know, they're, they're known for their sourdough bread. You guys all have that? Sumano's? Okay. I'm not, I, I love it too. So, and um, man, you know, it just, you, I, I kind of picture this. Now you could bring, there's a number of ways if you we read some of these things, there's a number of ways they could they could bring it. Verse 3 through Verse 10 kind of speaks of that. They can they can bake it. They can just kind of bring it this way. They could pour the oil on it. There's just different ways they could bring the same thing. But the idea was it was this bountiful, blessing. Wow, Lord, you're just so good. You know, I just, this is not part of the ties. This is not part of any of that. This is just, Lord, I just, I just, I just love you. And I, I want to, I want to thank you, if you would, um, I don't want to minimize it by giving an illustration of maybe doing something for somebody as a, a thank you for, you know, I, I don't know, um, that what you've done. Uh, but if you ever had my wife's banana nut bread, she does it all the time. It's killer. She brings it to church once in a while. But, um, but yeah, she, you know, usually somebody does something, she bakes some banana nut bread. And the, the illustration breaks down pretty quick, so don't don't go too far with it. But... You know, the idea is, wow, you know, you just, here here you go, Lord. And, and again, there was a number of ways they could bring it and, uh, you know, speak of, speaks of those things. And, and a portion, in this case, for, for this thing, God gave them some instructions. Listen, uh, when they bring this, uh, guys, you, you, you take a portion of that and you offer that uh, to the Lord. And, and the rest of it goes to the priests and the, and the Levites, the guys serving there. So in this particular offering... Uh, the priests were given something to live on. Uh, they, this was part of their uh, uh, receiving these gifts because that, that supported them. So they would be there in the tabernacle or later in the temple and, and be able to be there to, to offer these animals and to receive these things. It was kind of just like, uh, you know, something that they had to live on. And it's kind of funny when you look and we, you go through the Old Testament And you look at um, uh, when the people didn't bring their offerings in and they were just being kind of selfish and closed in and, and, and you know, just worried about me. And you know how we get huddled in those times. We, we all know Christmas is coming, right? <laughs> Thomas understands, poor brother. He just, you know, in a tough spot 
with his uh, job there and and um you know you can kind of huddle in those times and and when people did that as a whole as a nation and then the priests what they had to do and the levites well they had to they have to eat they they have to feed their families i mean they got the same thing as everybody else and so they had to leave the temple and then they would just go and work farms or or do things to to make a living and then when the people wanted to come there was anybody there and you could see, really see the spiritual decline even went further um and so god had this all worked out for a reason um you know bring it in and yes some of it's going to be used for them but the idea was who it doesn't really matter listen at the end of the day um remember this Re- remember the story that Jesus taught us in Mark chapter 12 and uh you you remember that uh when you're giving remember this uh see they were standing all there and Jesus kind of had them sitting strategically in the temple and there was a box kind of like what we had back there probably something a lot more ornate and bigger but you know people who wanted to give something to the lord well they would just put it inside there and jesus had them all kind of sitting there with his disciples looking and and um and all of a sudden people are dropping stuff in and guys are putting stuff in and they're giving this or giving this and then all of a sudden this 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 lady walks by and she drops in basically a penny and uh and then jesus turns and says to his disciples did you see what happened there and And, and you know I'm sure they're all nodding their head and he says uh, uh you know the, the people that that gave a lot well they just gave out of their abundance in other words they didn't really they they just gave because they had so much they could afford to give a little bit no big deal or give what they gave now that woman do you see that woman that was there that dropped in that penny she gave all that she had to live on and, and so her gift was huge even if somebody was given $10,000 just put it in our terms today and she gave one penny her gift was huge compared to the $10,000 because for her it was a it was a complete sacrifice for them that the 10 grand meant nothing cuz they you know had a lot of money it was no big deal but man that given that little bit gave more than everybody else and so again it was it was a condition of the heart And when we give, we give that way. Lord, I'm giving it to you. Here it is. And and yeah, I was going to go to these guys a little bit, but you know what? That's not the issue. What you choose to do with it is what you choose to do with it. And I would think Jesus would say something because the Pharisees were the biggest and the ones that were taking that money and using it were the ones that crucified him. So you think you'd say, "Hey guys, don't put any money in there. You're just supporting those evil people." <laughs> you know, what are you doing? And but you know her heart was right and and that's such a big illustration when we think about these gifts and this grain offering. You know we just give out of our heart and we give it to the Lord and that's our focus. Because if you think well they have too much, they have a little bit. Thanks buddy. You know have a little bit, you know and have so much. Well it's you know uh it's you know that's enough, you know. So that's what they did. They brought it down and and they gave it to them and And then God gave him a couple instructions I think were important verse 11 um no grain offering which you bring to the Lord shall be made with leaven for you shall burn no leaven nor any honey in any offering to the Lord made by fire. So he said listen in all your offerings don't put any leaven in there. Um cuz leaven is really a picture of sin. And we see that over and over again. We'll talk about that over and over again. How it kind of works through the whole batch, and you know, Jesus talked a lot about that. There was just 
a lot of illustrations on that. And so, you know, that picture uh, way back then, because, you know, leaven's really a really a bacteria, and it kind of goes through, and you, you guys know that. So there's a picture of sin in the Bible. But also you notice that honey is excluded. Now, what's the deal with honey, you say? Well, it represents natural sweetness. You know, and, and of course, when it gets burned, it breaks down under fire. And what the Lord's saying here, there's really nothing naturally sweet in our life. You can put on a front to other people and come off as sweet and this and that and, and come off in a certain way. But the Lord says, listen, I don't want that, I don't want that, uh, you know, uh, sweetness added to, uh, uh, the sweetness is in the offering and in the heart. It's not this external, uh, like honey making it sweeter. And so he's saying, listen, uh, that's, that can't be a part of it. Um, I just bought some honey today, as a matter of fact. I was out at uh, Driscoll's. You know, they sell that local honey out there that Driscoll stores are off San Juan. You know how much a thing of strawberries is in the off-season? I'm not kidding you. It was like almost, and that's, they always used to sell it usually at wholesale prices. It was almost five bucks for one. You know, normally during the season, it's like two-something, isn't it? Two-twenty-five out there or something. And I'm like, man, really? Anyway, thought I'd complain about that a little bit. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But I bought some honey. Why? Because, well, my wife's sick, and she likes to drink tea, and she likes to put honey in there because it, it sweetens it up, right? You know, understand that thing about honey. But the Lord says, I don't want that. I don't want that that that, that natural sweeting thing because there's nothing natural, naturally sweet with our lives. What makes it sweet is, again, His work and His Holy Spirit in our lives. And so... Nothing uh, that represents sin or that some kind of artificial sweetener, if you would, in that sense of uh, naturally sweet. You can't put a front on with the Lord. I, I don't want any of that. Come as you are, if you would, maybe we'd say. Well, verse 12, As for the offering of the first fruits, you shall offer them to the Lord, but they shall not be burned on the altar for a sweet aroma. Verse 13, for every offering of your grain offering you shall season with salt, and you shall not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacking from your grain offering. With all your offerings you shall offer salt. So again, this you can't confuse this grain offering with the first fruits offering. That's something different, okay? So that's what he says. But everything has to come with salt. Now salt is the opposite of leaven. It's a preservative. And leaven, you know, again, produces kind of that decay as it goes through and it rises the dough. This preserves things from that. That's the idea of salt. And so God said, you know, you need to always remember that. What's preserving you? And, of course, we know Jesus said it very clearly that the church is to be light and salt. We're supposed to season the world. Our flavor, if you would, our lives in Jesus Christ is supposed to shine brightly as light or like salt affects the flavor of things our lives are supposed to affect the flavor of this world in other words we're supposed to be reflecting jesus and so he said put salt um, with all of your offerings well in the, in the last um uh again uh, well let's read verse 14 and it says If you offer any grain offering of your first fruits to the Lord, you shall offer the grain offering of your first fruits with the grains roasted on a fire and grains beaten from full heads. And you should put oil on it and lay frankincense. It is a grain offering. Then the priest shall burn a memorial portion of its beaten grain and part of its oil 
with all the frankincense as an offering made by fire to the Lord. So again, this is what you're going to bring. This is what he's going to do. This is his instruction manual, if you would. And we're talking about why he's doing it. So there's also an offering for the first fruits, and we'll we'll get to that a little bit later on. But this isn't it. So recap, we have the burnt offering, Lord. I want to give you my whole life. It's, it's, it's pictured in this animal when I lay my hand on it. It's up there. It's burned whole there. It, it just I, I just want to I just want you. And, and then the grain offering, Lord. I just want to you know you're so good to me. You you just you you're just so good to me. And I think if we all back up, take a step back. You know, if we don't feel that way, if we can't think of that way instantly, you know, we think of all the problems, and then we move that aside and and say, "Lord, you're just so good to me. Lord, you just bless me so much. I I have every reason to be thankful. Yeah, not everything is perfect, and yeah, there's problems, but in the end, you're so good to me. And and that's kind of what the grain offering is all about. And the next one is the peace offering in Leviticus, Leviticus chapter three. Now. This peace offering is a little different. Um, verses 1 through verses 17 pretty much just tell us, and I'll summarize that, that you could bring any clean animal. That's you know, designated clean, and we'll talk about that. You know, you want to bring a sheep. You want to bring a goat. You want to bring a male. You want to bring a female. You want to bring a cow. You want to bring a bull. You want to bring a, a dove. You want to bring a pigeon. You want to you know, bring those things. You know, it doesn't matter. Whatever you want to bring. Here, you, you, you bring it. And, and then this peace offering, uh, we'll see uh, what the Lord would do is, or have instructed the priests to do is they would take this animal, whatever it is, let's say it's a, it's a sheep or a lamb. And, and again, you, you want to bring whatever it is. It has to be, it can't be any lame three-legged you know, deal, right? It has to be uh, without blemish. But, but you could bring any of those animals, whatever you wanted to bring. And then you bring it to the to priest on this case, and then he would just take he would slaughter it, or and then he would take the blood and offer the blood, and he would take the fat from the animal and he would burn it up. He would burn up there, and and, and this portion was consumed. And and then the priest would take a piece, and then he would take this uh, give give it back to you. This is one of those offerings after it was after it was uh, done. There he would give it back to you, and you would. Feast on that. It would be like a big barbecue. So you're going there, and this peace uh, offering was, well, you want to have fellowship with me. Let's just sit down and have a meal. Let, let's sit down. Yeah, you brought this, and yeah, you offered this, and I'm going to take this portion, if you would, if we could say that, this this blood, because the life was in the blood, and the fat was to be offered to him. And, and then the priest would get a, a meal out of it, and and, and you would get some of it back and you would feed everybody you know bring everybody there and you would just feast before the lord it was just like a big barbecue a great thing it's just uh again you you would give your first to the lord and then you know you're blessed with the rest and it would just um you know it's supposed to be a joyful time illustrating that you know again there was this peace God wants to have this peace. Our Heavenly Father wants to have this peace between us and Him. He wants to sit down and have that fellowship. You know, it kind of reminds me of the verse we were talking about in Revelation uh, chapter 3, you know, the church of Laodicea, and Jesus is on the outside, sadly, but He's knocking at the door and He says, listen, if you open it up, man, I'll come in 
man, we'll sit down and we'll have a great time together. We'll have some intimate fellowship. And as I said on Sunday and as I said before, you know, you just think, you know, when you really want to meet somebody or talk with somebody or do something with somebody, you know, it, it's not very uncommon for us to, 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 to do it over a meal. You, know, you invite them over for dinner, people that you know and care about. Come on over. You know, you're, you're usually doing something over a meal. And when you invite somebody over, it's this kind of great fellowship. And that's what God was saying, this great communion between us and, and, and the Lord. And yet, yeah, we're all partaking. And, you know, you could do that any time. Just, let's just sit down and have a great time and feast and have this great, wonderful time. And you'll see that there's many times in the Bible uh, that that's exactly what it was. That They would go there and uh, have this great feast. They would just, hey, let's go and do that. Let's just spend some time with the Lord. And And that's what this whole peace offering was about. Again, nobody's twisting your arm. Nobody's telling you what to do. You got to do this. You got to do this. No. But if you want to, and you want to spend time, and you want to fellowship and just enjoy, you know, the Lord and, and with your family and those that you brought along and, 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 and the priest there and, and the Lord in the center of it all, yeah, it's open to you. You're invited. Come on down, if you would. And, and that's exactly... Uh, you know, there, there, there's there's this way. And so that's what those about. Burn offering, Lord, I want to give it all to you. Grain offering, Lord, you're so good to me. Kind of just thanksgiving, you're so wonderful. And this peace offering is just this intimate fellowship. You, you wanted to do any one of those or all those things? The Lord says, here's the way. I got these guys that will help you out. I'm giving them instruction here. Yeah, we read it. It's kind of maybe a little boring in some of those places. Some okay, cut this out, put the fat over here, cut this, and do. He's just giving them instructions. You, they got to do it. You want to come? They know how to do it. You bring it. They take care of it. The Lord told them how to do it. He gave them how to do it, and you get to be blessed by their service in my presence. The way I want to do things. Leviticus is a little easier to. To understand, we put it in those little bite pieces, but that's essentially what is what's going on here. Now, the last two, last little bit, last two chapters, we'll talk about something different. Now, these first three were all sweet smelling savor offerings. Now, the sin offering we're going to get to in chapter four, and the trespass offering in chapter five are a little different. Now, this is something that you you need to do. In certain circumstances. So let's look at Leviticus 4. So th these aren't sweet smelling anymore. We're dealing with some issues here in these two chapters. And let's look at, at them briefly here. And it says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel saying, If a person sins, what's the next word? Unintentionally. Okay? Against any of the commandments of the Lord in anything which ought not to be done, And does any of them, okay, so notice right here, the emphasis is on sins committed in ignorance. Oh, I did that, um, you know, oh, you know, I, I didn't know that, or I got it wrong, or I just, you know, things that you just didn't know. So it was unintentional. It's not something you planned on doing. Because remember, there were direct penalties for breaking the law. So if you did something wrong, there was penalties for that. You did it intentionally. Well, we'll talk about that. There was there was consequences, and we spent some time even in Exodus talking about that. But you know, God made a way if you if you if you 
if you just didn't mean to do it, it was unintentional, or you didn't understand it, or, you know, you just go, oh, man, okay. He made a way for those things. And that, that's what we're talking about here. Um, as a matter of fact, if you want to flip real quick to Hebrews, sorry, no slides, so we'll flip there. If you want to flip to Hebrews, take your finger in Exodus and flip to Hebrews chapter uh, 10. If you don't want to, I'll read it to you. But Hebrews chapter 10 says this, because I think it's important that we see this. Hebrews um, 10.28 says this. He says, Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. So even in the in the New Testament, talking about the Old Testament law in the book of Hebrews. That, you know, if you did this, there were certain punishments that you, they were just dealt with. Now, we're not talking intentional sins here. We're talking about things that you didn't mean to do. And, and so, uh, again, uh, we, we see here that there was that. But this is speaking of unintentional sins. And, and then, if you actually read up verses 26 and 27 of Hebrews chapter 10, it says, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth... There no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. And so, uh, again, you know, we take sin seriously. Uh, even if you weren't aware of the sin at the time, there was a price to be paid. There wasn't any excuse, in other words. The New Testament talks about these things very clearly as well. Sin is sin, and it had to be dealt with, whether you meant to, Or whether you didn't mean to. So keep that in mind. Because it's like, oh, you know, we tend to forgive ourselves so quickly, right? Oh, I didn't really mean to. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I wouldn't really done that. But if somebody does that to us, we're quick like, you did that to me. And look at that. You know, we're so easy. We are so forgiving on ourselves. We give excuses for why we did things and why we, you know, well, it wasn't right. But I really didn't mean to. But, you know, we give ourselves plenty of uh, mercy and grace. But, man, uh We can tend to be those that are short on that when somebody's doing that to us. But the bottom line is God says it's got to be dealt with. It's going to be dealt with one way or another. And um, and this is what he said. And, and now there was different sacrifices for people when they did these unintentional sins. So if you look at verse 3, it says, If the anointed priest sins, um, so if the guy that's part of this tabernacle worship and knows better, and should know better, well, he is to bring, if you notice, and you read on verse 3, a young bull without blemish for a sin offering. Now, a young bull is a very valuable animal, okay? So, God says, listen, you know, um, they should he should, they should know better. And if they do this, then, you know, yeah, okay, it's unintentional, but there is a price to be paid for that. And they had to bring... A, a, a young bull. And then it, it tells you exactly what needs to be done when that happens and how they're supposed to t prepare the bull and what they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to treat everything. And even to the point of verse uh, 12 that the bull ashes are to be carried outside the camp and put in a certain place and and, 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 and done this. And this same kind of procedure is done for each one of these Depending on the people, it's the same kind of thing. They have to do the same thing. So a bull was required for a priest. Again, a sense that he should know better. And he, it says also that he should sprinkle the blood seven times before the veil. 
uh, again, God's relationship with the offender. Okay, there's a there's blood. There's a sacrifice that needs to be paid for this sin. Unintentional. We're not talking about you meant to do it and you willingly did it. No, we're not talking about that. You, you know, unintentional. But there's still a price. God's going to forgive you. He made a way. So you put some blood there, and then it's to restore that privilege, to, you know, of worship to the offender. And then again. It just reminds us that I know how we depend on the blood of Jesus Christ to forgive our sins, whether intentional or unintentional. Now, verse 13 says, now, if the whole congregation of Israel sins intentionally. So if like all the people, you know, are doing something that's against the law, then, well, they had to bring, uh, a, 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 you know, the same kind of basically they had to bring a lamb as an offering. Uh, and they have done something wrong and the commandments are guilty And then they're supposed to, I'm sorry, they're supposed to bring a bull also. Uh, lamb is the next one. So they're supposed to bring a, a, a bull. So if you would, whether the priest sins and or the all the people sin, the offering is the same. It's kind of a funny, if you would, the sins of the priests uh, were equal to the sins of the whole nation. So if the whole, all the people are doing something wrong against God's law, The price for the priest's sin and the price for the people's sin is the same. So he put a pretty high price on the priest knowing, knowing better. And then he talks about in verse 22, if a ruler has sinned and done something unintentional against the commandments, verse 22 says that. Uh, anything he should not be done and is guilty. So if it, of a political leader, we'd say, well, if he does something wrong, he's a politician, right? A goat's okay. <laughs> we expect those guys to do things wrong, right? Let's get my goat. <laughs> no, it, it's a goat. So he is supposed to bring a ruler. Okay, he's a leader, uh, you know, but he brings a, a goat. He's, he's, there's a price to be paid, again, for unintentional sins. And then verse 20 says, that a common person sins unintentionally and by doing something wrong against the commandments of the Lord and anything which ought not to be done is guilty. Again, pay for the sins, even unintentionally. And they were offer, same offering as a goat, just as a regular person. But the bottom line is everybody had to come and everybody had to acknowledge their sin this way, even in ignorance. See, the tendency for today, and probably even in their day, is to excuse sin that's unintentional. Well, it's unintentional, so I, I get a free pass. God says no. No, no, no. There, there, you need to, uh, and they had, this again, there's a choice they had to make. Uh, you know, you, you need to come and acknowledge that. Even the unintentional ones. I want it to be clear to you that I'm a forgiver of sin, but you need to be the one that comes and confesses that. I mean, isn't that kind of what First John says, right? Or... Uh, Romans, uh, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I mean, there's a lot of verses on that, right? Um, confessing our sins, going to him. It's important that we do that and not diminish some of them. Well, I have a right to do that and feel that way and act that way because of this going on. And so I kind of compartmentalize that. This is okay for me to do because of this. And yeah, I know on this end, I'll keep it for you, Lord. But this, no. And the Lord says, no, I'm not, that's, you can't do that. You need to come to me on everything. And we'll see how the Lord changes our lives when we do that. We don't excuse our sin, even the unintentional. The Lord is making that very clear very early on. 
And lastly, we'll get to this. The trespass offering or the guilt offering, it might say in your in your Bible. And let's look at Leviticus 5, verse 1. It says, If a person sins in hearing the utterance of an oath and is a witness, whether he is seen or known of the matter, if he does not tell it, he bears the guilt. Now, here's something a little different. If you're a witness to something, if you saw something, but you didn't do anything about it, it's wrong. It's a sin. You know, the Lord wants us to be people of integrity. And he said, listen, you see something and you know it's the right thing to do and you don't do it? That's sin. So he's starting to deal with us here, not sins of what we say commission, which means you actually do them, but there's sins of omission, which means there's something you know you should do, but you don't do it. That's sin, right? And we know James says the same thing. He that knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it's sin. To him, He that knows what the right thing to do is and you don't do it, that's a sin. So it's not necessarily, well, I went out and I, you know, did this. Oh, that's a big sin. Well, you know, God's calling you to do this, whatever it might be, and you don't do it, that's as much a sin. And, and so that's what's kind of dealing with here. If you were put under an oath by law and you're required to tell the truth, you're supposed to tell the truth. If you didn't, it's it's a sin. And, and again, uh, if you didn't come before the Lord, didn't confess your sin, there, there, he wanted that, to make that atonement. If you want to come, I'm there. Now, verse 2 talks about some of the things, and 2 through 4 really talk about some of the other things. If a person touches on an unclean thing, which we'll talk about it, or verse 3 touches human uncleanness, whatever that might be, and when he's... Uh, uh, Which is may, which a man may be, be be defiled, and we'll talk about what those things are later. And he's unaware of it when he realizes it; he shall be guilty. Or verse four: If a person swears, speaking thoughtfully with his lips to do evil or to do good or whatever it is that man may pronounce by oath, and he's unaware of it when he realizes it, he's guilty of in any of these matters. So again, even careless speech um, of chapter five, verse four, right? Careless speech. Sometimes we promise to do something, then we don't. We promise to serve the Lord, and then we don't. Um, he says, you know, that that's I, I take that serious. I, I take your word serious. We may not take words seriously, but he does. You say you're going to do something? Do it. God, Even back here, he said, if you don't do it, it's a sin, and I want you to come to me and acknowledge that. And then, again, um, he, he's supposed to come. Verse 5 talks about that and bring his trespass offering, verse 6, to the Lord, which he has sinned. And it's a female of the flock, a lamb, a kid, and he's making atonement for his sin. If he's not able to do that, uh, to bring that to the Lord, verse 7 says, his, for his trespass he's committed, then two turtles or two young pigeons, uh, one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering. So in other words, the point is there was no excuse to going to the Lord for forgiveness. If you didn't have much that he made a provision, hey, can get a couple of birds for a couple bucks or whatever. You know what I'm saying. You know what I mean? You don't have too money, too much money. There's always a way to be forgiven. There's no excuses. He's made a way. And again, then verses 8 through 10 tell the priest what he's supposed to do when they bring the bird, how he's supposed to do it and take care of it and handle all those things. And then verse 11 This is how much the Lord wants everybody to come. 
But if he's not able to bring two turtle doves or two pigeons, that means you got so little money you can't even rub two quarters together. Then he who sins shall bring forth his offering one tenth of an ephah of flour as a sin offering, and he should put no oil on it, no frankincense on it, because it's a sin offering. So God says, listen, if you can't afford even two little pigeons, then just bring a little bit of flour. Bring a little bit of flour. Now, don't confuse it with the grain offering, because I don't want you to put oil or frankincense, because that was that grain offering that you were to bring to me because of you're thankful and you know you wanted to come. He said, don't get it confused with that. You just bring a little bit of flour. So if you couldn't afford anything, you could bring a little bit of flour. The message is, out of all these sin offerings in chapters 4 and 5, is you need to come and you need to get the situation right before God. That's what he's telling them. Now you think Leviticus, Leviticus is confusing? Not so much when we put it in these terms, right? We understand this. We need to come to him and confess our sins. He is willing to forgive. And you know, and we know so much more on this side of the cross, certainly. But he wants us to come. There was a price to be paid for sin. And it didn't matter what your social status was or how much money you have or how much you didn't have. There was provision for all to be right with the Lord. That's what he's saying here. That's what he's telling us. And that's what he's telling us in this trespass offering. And, you know, he tells them what to do in the, the last few verses here. And, you know, if you uh, touch something that's holy in verse 15, unintentionally in regard to holy things, and you, you do something that was dedicated to God, and, and, and you shouldn't have done that, and you took advantage of this, or, you know, you were supposed to, uh, this, we'll talk about this later, and if you were supposed to give something to God, or, you know, you promised to do that, or it was part of your tithe that you were supposed to give, and someone withheld an offering or a tithe or something, there was a restitution or a fine, if you would, or God wanted them to add 20% to that. He said, if you if you know you should be doing it and you're not doing it, uh, then you know that you need to realize how important this is. It's not just, well, okay, I can't, and it's too inconvenient, or it's not, I can't afford it, or whatever it is, or I'm too busy, or whatever the excuse is. He said, listen, I'm serious about this. If you Uh, you, you need to bring it and, and you need to bring 20% more to show you that I'm serious about this. And it reminds us that, again, that, that sin is costly. And when there's true repentance, there is restitution and repayment. And remember, ignorance was no excuse for the law. Guy was God doing this? He was building a holy nation. Why, why was he having him do this that we're starting and going to read for the next few weeks? Because he wanted them to be different. Nobody else in the world was doing this kind of stuff. No other nation or group of people would offer these kind of sacrifices or come with this fellowship or deal with these problems or these attitudes they were having or there are things that they even didn't even know or kind of didn't do. It was unintentional. God wanted that to be dealt with. Nobody else had to do that. Just like today, people do all kinds of stuff. You go, well, they get away with it. They have a why, why, what about me? Well, you're not them. I say that constantly to my kids, but, you know, I have to look in the mirror when I say that, right? You're not them. They buy this. They look at this. They go there. They say this. and That's not me. I, I do something. I, I turn, I run a red light, and I feel convicted. Yeah, because you've got the Holy Spirit in you. God's wanting you to deal with it. You have a wrong attitude. You don't feel good. You can't sleep. God wants you to deal with it. 
You're, you're doing this. You know it's not right. Why is it bothering you? Because you're his child. He doesn't want you to continue. There's nothing new back then. Yeah, they had a place to go, and uh, you, you know they had a to to demonstrate that and the sin, the blood, all that stuff. You know, wasn't. But you know, that's all completed in Jesus Christ. We still got to go to Him, though. We're different. We're holy. We're His people. He's building a nation here, and He wanted them to reflect that, just like He does today. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for this time and. Looking at these verses, Lord, we pray that you would continue to minister them to our hearts, Lord, because your word is so powerful, so important, Lord. So, Father, we ask that you would just, again, as you've spoken to us, Father, have us to be those people that not are hearers but doers of your word, Lord. Father, I also pray for those that are struggling, you know, tonight, and uh, we pray for I know Patrick uh, Zanswig and my wife are pretty ill we pray for them lord that you'd heal them lord i pray for patrick castillo that's back in um uh tennessee lord just uh, doing some training on heavy equipment lord i know uh, a lot going on there we pray that you would just bless him and use him back there as he's back there for a few weeks until christmas lord uh, pray for our brother thomas lord that's just um you know with the job situation and Now, after so many years, just uh, I, I just can't even imagine, Lord, just being unemployed and you know such a good guy and such a hard worker, Lord. We know you got a perfect plan for him, and we just pray that you would you would bless him, Lord, and just fill him and lead him and guide him, Lord, and Lord that you would just find him that perfect job, Lord, and Lord for for all the other situations, uh, Lord, you know where they are, and and you know some of them just unspoken. Situations going on, and we pray that you would continue to work in in those lives, Lord, and um, Father, those people that are just struggling, Lord, that you would just bless them and lead them and fill them and guide them, and also for the biker church this uh, Saturday is the outreach uh, for the Wheelock Center, Lord, and just you know, um, I, I I know it's just going to blow their minds, Lord, that. Mostly, you know, not just not only the people. Well, the people that know us, it's not. It's it's great. They're enjoying it. But there's just so many over there, staff, and leaders, and other people that live there, that when they see the just generosity of these guys and the love and and desire just to serve and know you, Lord, I, I we just pray for the hearts over there that many would come to know you because of that, Lord. So we, we pray for that this Saturday as well. So again, Father, I. Ask that you just bless my brothers and sisters abundantly, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, you guys. May the Lord bless you. Have a great evening.